Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 145 of the Leading Learning Podcast. This episode features a great conversation with Ken Parker and Jay Strickland of Next Thought. And if Next Thought sounds familiar to you, that may be partly because they are our sponsor for this quarter. In fact, before we turn to the conversation with Ken and Jay, we want to highlight a special Next Thought initiative. And that initiative is AssociationsNext.com. AssociationsNext.com is your opportunity to learn from some leading thinkers in e-learning and membership organizations, as well as giving you the chance to test drive the Next Thought LMS platform. In this educational series, you'll uncover new knowledge about instructional design, digital strategy, and staying true to your organization's long-term goals in the face of rapid change. Kiki Italian, Tracy King, and Lowell Applebaum lead the first three modules, and more courses will be added on a monthly basis. Visit associationsnext.com to enroll and experience the revolutionary Next Thought LMS for yourself. So we have Next Thought highlighting leading thinkers in e-learning and membership organizations through associationsnext.com, but Ken Parker and Jay Strickland, our guests for this episode, are leading thinkers in their own right. So Jeff, what kind of ground did you cover with them? Well, you know, first I'll note that I had not had the opportunity to talk with either Ken or Jay before, so it was great to meet them, and I think it's important to hear the perspectives of leaders of companies that are really helping to shape the learning business with their technologies. And, and we do talk a bit about the focus of Next Thought as a company, but, but then we turn to some of the concepts that I think are really at their core, like the important role of community in learning, um, the data we can use to measure the impact of both community and learning, and then the concept of education as platform and why that's so critical in today's learning landscape. You know, the bottom line is that uh, Jay and Ken have both been deeply immersed in the world of learning and technology for many years. And so there's, there's just plenty here that listeners can learn from. Well, I look forward to the conversation. So let's roll the interview with Ken Parker and Jay Strickland. Hello out there. I'm Jeff Cobb, and this is the Leading Learning Podcast. And today I'm very pleased to be joined by Ken Parker and Jay Strickland. Ken is co-founder and CEO of Norman, Oklahoma-based Next Thought, and we're going to talk a little bit more about what Next Thought does here in a minute, but I know that one way the company describes itself is as focused on building a platform to change the way people experience education. And one of the people critical in making that happen is our other guest, Jay Strickland, who is head of learning design and education at Next Thought. Jay and Ken, welcome to Leading Learning. 
Thank you, Jeff. It's a great pleasure to be here. Well, maybe we can start off with uh, just a, a little bit more background on Next Thought, kind of, you know, who you are as a company, what your focus is, and this whole idea of, you know, uh, trying to change the way that people experience education. Thanks, Jeff. Sure. Next Thought is seven years old. We're an ed- education, technology, and services company, and we focus in particular on connected learning. And I think we'll talk more about that in a few moments. But we have a strong technology foundation. That's kind of our heritage, where we came from. And we're looking for how to apply technology to the educational experience, how to make that more effective, make it more engaging, and hopefully have better outcomes for more people because of the way technology lets us reach and connect people in really powerful new ways. And you've mentioned the the word connection and and connect a number of times there. And, you know, when I think of uh, your company, um, I, I think of you really working at the intersection of learning and community and, and community really being, you know, the, the, the foundation of, of connection for you. So I'm wondering, you know, why, why is community such an important part of the equation for Next Thought? And, and along with that, you know, what are some of the most effective ways in, in which you've been able to help organizations design community into learning and, and vice versa, I guess? And, and Jay, maybe that's a, a great one for, for you to start with. You bet. Thanks uh, also, Jeff, for having us today. It's a, a pleasure to, to join you and your audience. Um, I think for us, and I have the great pleasure in working with um, our, our many partners um, in engaging with them to create effective uh, learning environments but, environments, but we really focus on the learning design aspect with starting with outcomes. Um, we really encourage our partners to consider the user experience, um, and I think that that's what causes us to be unique um, in, in our area. At, And so what we find is that oftentimes when we talk to our partners about that user experience, it really often leads to community. Uh, We know that research shows and our partners also believe that when you learn in a communal way, you get a more engaging, rich, and uh, effective learning experience. Um, And and so really once our partners have identified the goal of the the learning program and that uh, user experience, we ask them to evaluate their content and and really look for opportunities to infuse organic, uh, rich discussion discussions um, where there might be perhaps opportunities to apply knowledge um, and learners can share more about um, their experience or ask additional questions to expand uh, their knowledge. And uh, we're fortunate that our platform is really primed for this type of learning experience. So we're able to support our our partners in, in a community way. And so does that, does that usually take the form of, you know, discussion board type environments or, you know, how do you, how do you work if you do to connect, say, you know, what might be going on at an event um, or the events, you know, that an organization holds and then what they're doing in an online environment? Um, You know, do you make use of live tools uh, like, you know, webinars, uh, things like that? What are, what are some of the the most common uh, approaches uh, that, that you're using? 
Yes, we certainly um, do have the opportunity to post discussions and, and forums and things like that. We do support um, live streaming so you can engage both synchronously, asynchronously. And we also have um, dynamic um, readings and additional features where learners are able to um, really engage and, and spark and create dialogue um, in, in a variety of ways, um, whether that's just a reading or through a transcript associated with the video. So, um, Ken, I can let you expand upon that a little bit, but but we actually have uh, quite a few unique ways and features native to our platform that that really lends itself to to uh, dialogue. Exactly right. And as, as you and you outlined in your question, Jeff, there's a lot of different types of interactions, and as Jay described. Part of what uh, the challenge is, is to figure out what are the types of interactions that will be most helpful to achieve the learning objectives. And it's a different mindset that you bring to the development of your learning content. And it's a learning experience. And if you make it a shared experience, then you harness the real power of the community and the engagement and the support and all of the uh, the relevance that comes from learning as a group activity. And so that mindset will then guide how you how you create your curriculum, how you how you manage the learning design and the types of interactions. And the technology can then help connect people in the content, in the experience. And so there's, uh, this is one of the areas for exciting creativity. As you're, de- as you're crafting the experience, the learning design, uh, you can get creative about do we ask people to use their mobile devices to take uh, images, to take a picture, to make a video, to have them uh, perform an action to share it which will then inform, inspire, um, engage other learners. And so all of these different types of activities, you want the platform to make those seamless in the learning journey. And so it could be forums. It could be uh, having conversations inside a video or inside the text. It could be the types of activities that you ask learners to uh, perform and then the types of feedback and interaction that they will contribute or receive from the group. And so it's a very wide range of activities. And it's one of the areas uh, why we think of uh, online connected learning as really a, a frontier right now. There's rich potential out there, and a lot of it's unexplored. And so that's part of what makes it an exciting time and place to be in adult learning. Well, I like the fact that you've talked about getting the learners to, to take action and to create. So, you know, whether it's creating a video, putting a photo in, um, doing things that really help to create what I think of as social learning objects, basically, that, uh, that, that they're going to want to engage around. I, I wonder, though, because, you know, I, I hear this from organizations quite a bit, and I've, I've experienced it with our own efforts to, to try to make community part of uh, learning experiences that I wouldn't say there's necessarily a resistance to it, but um, learners don't necessarily just jump on the opportunity. Um, it, can, it can take a little coaxing. It can take a little 
coaching to get them to engage in learning that way. And I don't know if it's just because they haven't in the past, so this is a new thing. But what's what's your experience with that, and how have you how have you helped to motivate learners to participate in community and to make it a meaningful part of the the learning experience? Um, I, I would first say, um, Jeff, to that end, and we can talk um, through those motivators. But also, I think there's some onus on um, the, the content development side of things. And what I mean by that is oftentimes we talk with people that have done traditional professional development or face-to-face learning opportunities, um, and they want to kind of take what they've historically always done and then just put it on an LMS, right? Mm. And have to really evaluate when you um, embrace an e-learning strategy, okay, we can't just take traditional content and then just package it over and expect to have different outcomes, right? And so that's where I, I really enjoy working with our partners and really evaluating the content and saying, okay, what we, we know what we've always done, right? We know what the outcomes have been in this way, but what are we trying to achieve here? And what are the ways that we can manipulate what we have? How can we really leverage content and leverage the tools that we have in our LMS to make it a different learning experience. So some of it is, you're right, on the learners and trying to get that motivation, but we also have to take some responsibility as learning designers and content experts and SMEs and things to say, okay, are we really doing our best to ensure that we're being innovative and thoughtful about the ways in which that we can present the content? Um, I would say um, as a follow-up, you know, it's really important that we, if we um, are trying to create that community of practice, that we really invest the time on our end too. You can't just kind of, you know, post something and expect for this dynamic discussion to occur. You've really got to, you know, make a commitment and you've got to be in there and you've got to, you know, when somebody posts something, you've got to be in there and, and to try to not only answer it, but then know your learners, know your audience, and maybe try to bring others into the conversation if it could potentially have meaning uh, there as well. And so I would say making, um, making that extra effort. Um, also continually um, seeding things that, that are purposeful and, and can be applied um, to your learners in that particular audience. So just, you know, continuously keeping it fresh, um, adding new content, um, doing those things and really committing to the process um, and not giving up if you don't, you know, automatically get that, you know, communal um, aspect that you're looking for, but really stay committed to the process. Use your data analytics that you have at your disposal um, really expand and enhance the things that are getting a lot of response um, responses and activity, and then maybe the things that are a little bit um, low in activity, maybe, you know, pull back and consider how you might be able to present that content in a different, um, a different way to have a, a different outcome. Well, and you just made the, you know, the, the important point that it is work, um, you know, on, on the part of an organization that uh, wants to have meaningful community, you're going to have to be prepared to be in there and to connect the dots and to have the seed questions and to, to make sure that people are getting uh, the, uh, the the relevance out of it that they're seeking in an adult learning experience. Now, I wonder, I can imagine that that, that level of work or the potential level of work is probably a reason that um, traditionally many organizations have perhaps been a little resistant to getting on board with really making community a big part of their learning. I imagine another part of it is that, you know, if you, if you put a video in or you put a SCORM course in, you can tell if somebody does that, if they complete it, if they take the test, it's relatively easy to measure what's going on. You, you just touched on it a little bit there, Jay, but uh, I mean, in general, I mean, how do you manage to measure the impact of community and know that it's actually been something worth doing, um, that, you know, that's actually improving your outcome? So what, what, kind of, what kind of data should listeners be collecting and evaluating if they're going to try to measure the impact of community? 
Sure. I would just, uh, Ken, Ken, I'll turn that over to you in just a moment, but I would just really encourage, um, you know, looking at the quality of the conversations. You know, obviously we want to look to completion and things like that and and ensure that people are, are in fact, going through, you know, the learning modules and, and completing everything. But, you know, if you have an LMS that can really give you um, a, a lot of data uh, collection, really look at the quality of the conversations, not necessarily the number of, of conversations and happenings going on. And so, again, that can really inform um, your design, uh, you know, in the future too, as you continue to iterate and, and improve upon your offerings. But you know, if you if you do see something that's generated a lot of you know spirited discussion, and 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 really try to look for other opportunities where you can expand that concept, or or um, if there's something that's a little bit low um, in engagement level, really kind of use that. That that's great data to have, right? And and so how might we be able to repurpose um, that content in a different way? But Ken, I don't want to take all of all of uh, the the talk time here so I'll let you uh, expand on that sure we um, we we currently measure engagement with the usual indicators uh, of of attention uh, and those indicators are things like uh, how much and what are you watching what are you reading how are you doing on assessments but the part that we that we add to start to look at your uh, your community engagement is look at the sphere of, of a learner's interactions, who you connect with, how often, uh, what is your social impact. If you look at network analysis, then you start to see uh, metrics such as betweenness and uh, who, who are your really uh, uh, network uh, connectors that connect people into different networks. And then as, as Jay has observed, it's really a multifaceted uh, exploration. Uh, and as you said, Jeff, quite, just because you say we want to make a community, uh, that's an important, uh, an important objective to set out on but it's just the very, very beginning, and it's by no means assured. And so trying different things and finding what's relevant, what's helpful, uh, what's engaging, uh, what's impactful for learning outcomes. Uh, we worked with Columbia Teachers College uh, in New York, and they actually wrote a research paper that showed that the students that had better learning outcomes were more engaged in the community and uh, in the in the network of interactions within the class. So the the indicators, the approach, uh, the nature of the content and the curriculum, all of that is is part of the exploration and figuring out of what does make this engaging and effective for people. But some of the things that we have found to make it most engaging is, as Jay said, come up with activities that are relevant uh, for that particular community, uh, activities that are uh, leading to uh, addressing their uh, their objectives, whatever uh, whatever it may be, uh, those are the communities that tend to see the most traction, the most attention, and it starts to build momentum. 
as you uh, as you find that and as you get people comfortable with interactions and depending upon and valuing those interactions with one another. And are you getting to the point, maybe you're already there, maybe you're headed there, you can, you can tell listeners about this, where you're actually able to leverage the technology itself and the data that you're collecting to help build that momentum. So, you know, if somebody has been engaging in particular discussions, I don't know if it's artificial, maybe, maybe not be quite so deep as artificial intelligence, but, you know, directing them to other discussions, presenting them with content that's relevant to that discussion. I mean, how is that factoring into how you're, how you're developing your technology um, to really, I guess, help the community sort of build its own momentum in a way? Well, that's that's a terrific question, and eventually, where we went ahead is that AI and machine learning, uh, which can have very broad awareness of what's going on and how people are interacting, uh, using that to connect you with other resources, and those may be other online uh, content resources. Uh, but I think more impactfully, it's going to be connecting you with other people and uh, prompt uh, connecting you with other discussions and other artifacts that are in the connected learning system. That's where this is headed to make it especially valuable. And then even as the um, the ability for they, we currently call them like chatbots and whatnot even as uh, that technology continues to evolve rapidly, uh, then increasingly people will be able to uh, interact with, uh, to ask questions of, to receive support and advice from some of these automated attendants. So there's a, uh, there's a lot of exciting potential here. And the, the fact that it's being moderated on a platform that has access to the data, that's what's going to enable all of this to occur. Mm. And, I, and that that points well to the the next question that I wanted to ask because you just you just used that word platform, which has come up a number of times here. And I know uh, that you in particular, Ken, are an advocate of the idea of education as platform. Could could you explain a bit for listeners what you mean by that? Um, and then also, you know, how, how do organizations move from education as an event, which is how I think, you know, so many w- at least act, you know, whether they're thinking about it that way or not, uh, um, how do they move from that to, to education as platform? Great. Uh, very exciting question. Platform is, is an ambiguous term. But in this case, I, I think of a platform is connecting people and allowing them to exchange value. Uh, I read a great book on this, Platform Revolution, and that was uh, the succinct definition that they got, that they provided that I love. Uh, connecting people and allow them to exchange value. It's an ancient idea. Uh, think about marketplace or town square. They connected people and let them exchange value, whether it was uh, exchanging goods and services or exchanging ideas, but that was a platform. Well, if you fast forward to today, technology 
especially the internet and all of, and the ubiquitous mobile devices that has supercharged the idea of platform and you see it creating and destroying billions of dollars all around the economy, all around the world. Uh, think of some of the more well-known platforms such as Airbnb, Uber, Facebook, Amazon, Alibaba, Wikipedia. In all cases, the platform connects people and lets them exchange value. Riders and drivers for Uber, uh, hosts and guests for Airbnb, uh, content creators and curators on Facebook. In all cases, it's the community that really makes those valuable. And it's an engaged community that's exchanging value. So that's a huge idea. And you see it all around, like I say, all around the economy, all around the world, impacting our lives and social interactions. And it's a, it's a big, big idea. And so the question is, how do we harness this this powerful idea for education, because again, we know that uh, we learn uh, we learn better as a community. We learn from one another. I love uh, uh, Isaac Newton's uh, quote as one of my favorite quotes. He said, "If I have seen farther, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants." And so he's just acknowledging the, those that have gone before, those that he's worked with, uh, those that uh, provide a foundation for us to reach ever higher. And so it's a big idea, uh, but it's one that's very accessible. And again, it's a mindset for education. If a, if a teacher or a facilitator thinks of themselves as a connector, they're facilitating the interaction. They're facilitating the learning exchange. It's a very different role than viewing yourself as the classical sage on the stage, where you're purely just delivering content. And so, again, it's a different concept with enormously high-impact potential for creating a, a, a learning experience that's meaningful and and impactful for uh, the participants. And what do you think? Do we, you know, in a true education as platform world, do we move past the concept of a catalog? Because um, you know everything right now, particularly in online education, I think is is very. Um, catalog driven, transaction driven. So you buy, you know, course after course after course. Maybe you subscribe, um, but you know, you think about a, an Uber or an Airbnb. It's it's a much more dynamic sort of thing. Where I mean, where do you see business models headed in all of this? Yeah, it's a good question. There's uh, another great book uh, that I read recently is Bharat Anand's uh, book, The Content Trap. And he talks about how we so often overemphasize the idea of content. Mm. And to your question, we do that all the time in education. We emphasize the content. We emphasize, we structure it as a transaction. So I'm going to, I'm going to deliver, I'm going to pour content uh, in you. And then I'm going to assess how much of that content stuck how many skills stuck. And so it's 
it, it is a form of learning. It's just all the research says that's one of the least effective ways to learn and really have deep uh, educational outcomes. Right. But we still do it because it's so easy to manage. And so to your to your question, uh, if we think of of content and transactions as the foundation of education, then we will have settled for a very uh, low impact um, outcome for education. And so in the future, I think it's going to be much, there's always going to be content. That's an important part. There's always going to be curriculum. But if you put that in the context of an environment, of a community, of a learning journey, well, that's a that's a very different perspective than a transaction. And so, instead of a uh, instead of a catalog, maybe you've got a learning objective, and the system knows what you need to learn. It knows what your gaps are, uh, and it can guide you through the journey that will get you to that uh, learning outcome. And there may be some parts of it that are part of a community, some parts of it that are personalized just for you. These are some of the technologies, I think, that are going to continue to evolve and impact the whole education, making it more personal, uh, but making it much more effective uh, both in terms of outcomes, but also in terms of efficiency. Hmm. Well, we've been we've been touching on this all throughout as we've been talking about you know technology and and the change that's happening, the change that's going to be possible. But I, you know, I'd love to hear from each of you if there is a you know a particular trend or development that um, that you just find yourself most excited about right now is and and really. A, a trend or development that you see as having the greatest potential for really improving learning, you know, making a big step forward. And, and Jay, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to take that one first. Sure. I think um, Ken just said something that, that really resonated with me that we're seeing a lot more of, and it's it's very exciting. And it is this idea of of learning paths, right? So really leveraging, you know, there's lots of trends and things. He mentioned the chatbots and the you know, gamifications out there and, and AR and VR and things like that, but really using and leveraging media to make learning engaging. And, and one way to do that is through these unique learning paths. So depending on who you are as a professional, what your experience are, what background you bring to your present you know, job that day, you can, you might be perhaps presented a scenario and based on um, the way in which you respond to that, um, it could take you on a unique learning path. And so, you know, again, back to what Ken's saying, it is, you know, outcome outcomes focused, right? Because we do have, you know, an outcome and a goal associated with each of the unique learning environments that we present. Um, but it really offers the learner a more organic way to to achieve that outcome. And it's way more personalized um, and individualized based on who they are as a professional and what what they're doing in their workplace. And 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 so it's it's more of a growth um, organic mindset than just kind of your traditional transactional um, you know learning offerings. Um, I would say though as we look to um, future you know learning and development um, from a learning design perspective, we always want to um, encourage our partners 
entrepreneurs not to just jump on a trend. Um, you know, you hear things and, and we'll talk to people and go, well, we, you know, we've got to have gamification and we've right. got to gamify things because we know that that's what everybody's doing. But really step back and evaluate what your goals are, um, what your vision is for your organization, certainly um, your budget, um, because that's going to drive um, what you're able to do. And even if you have a little bit more of a limited budget, there are amazing things that you can achieve um, through collaborative efforts with learning design if you're thoughtful about it. So really just don't jump on trends and make thoughtful decisions based on what you're trying to do in your organization, your learners, those outcomes. Um, and I think you'll have a positive um, outcome. What about you, Ken? I agree completely. The, uh, the whole notion, I think one of the most powerful ideas uh, for the future of learning is self-directed learning. Mm-hmm. And I think there's two aspects to it. Number one is it's personal in its intrinsic motivation. It's self-directed. I have responsibility and capability to manage my own learning. And I think technology is going to be key to enabling that uh, in terms of the efficiency and the access Uh, that's what's going to enable the self-directed learning so that it gets me what I need, when I need it, and how I need it. Um, And so I think there's a lot of technologies that will help with that. But one reason that, again, I would say that is so impactful, uh, Benjamin Bloom, he's one of the the most famous Uh, education researchers, he showed years ago that a a student that had a a tutor, you could take any student, and if they had a good tutor, they could perform at the 98th percentile of any group. And so it was was an earth-shattering result because of how powerful the impact was. And so the, the obvious question is, well, why don't we do that for everybody? It's so impactful. Uh, but the answer is uh, the, uh, the resources are just – there's not that many tutors and there's not that, uh, there's not the, that much financial resources. And so it's largely an unimplemented finding mm-hmm. because we just don't have the ability to give everybody a great tutor. Well, technology has the promise of changing that, and the tutors can be other people. It can be the system that is supporting you. And so technology supporting this self-directed learning that's helping you with uh, support, uh, with tutoring, with, uh, with guidance, uh, that seems enormously um, uh, fertile for the future of education. When I love both of those, uh, the, the learning paths and the self-directed aspect and, and the combination of them together, I think both really help to, to tap curiosity and motivation, which are just, you know, so fundamental to effective learning. And I, I think that goes back to some of the questions I was asking earlier about getting learners in, involved in community, uh, which really does tend to depend on, you know, tapping that motivation, tapping that curiosity, getting them to want to connect uh, because they, they are implicitly motivated to, to do that and curious to do that. And I think, you know, the, the trends, the technologies you're describing here uh, are, are going to help tremendously with, with making that uh, a reality. Let's wrap up 
with a, a question that we ask everybody who comes on to Leading Learning, since we are all about learning here. And we want to know a little bit about your personal uh, learning experiences. And, and, and specifically, we'd love to hear from each of you, what was one of the most powerful learning experiences that, that you've been involved in as an adult since finishing your formal education? So, you know, school's behind you, you're out in the world, um, and it might be something in which you were a learner. It might be something that you helped to facilitate uh, or lead. Could be a combination of the two, but uh, what's one of those experiences? And, and Ken, I'll, I'll come back to you on, on this one. What would you say is uh, that powerful learning experience? Uh, boy, there's uh, there's a bunch of them. One one powerful learning experience for me is reading. Uh, as I offered a couple of book recommendations, uh, even a few moments ago, uh, books are, are a wonderful way to expose me to new ideas to help organize what is often a jumble of thoughts or observations. Uh, to organize them into a more coherent model that I can then look to apply to extend or whatever. Uh, so books are a uh, are a key way uh, for uh, for me to do that. And uh, a trick is finding the time to read. And uh, one uh, one life hack I use on that is listening to audio books while I exercise or commute or something. Um, in terms of a learning experience, uh, when I was a young engineer, I had an opportunity to go down and work at an Air Force satellite control facility. And it was the one of the richest learning experiences that impacted the whole rest of my career. I was working with a, a team of uh, much more experienced engineers. They were all uh, at least twice my age, uh, but they were patient teachers. Uh, and I was able to bring some technology as a software developer. I was able to bring some technology to some of the problems that they experienced in our operations for the uh, the satellite system. I was able to bring some solutions that were quite valuable. And so it was an amazing uh, two-year experience learning from experts uh, dealing with operational issues that I'd never been exposed to before. And so that whole, uh, that whole journey uh, taken with a, a bunch of terrific mentors uh, that I was a, I was able to contribute in ways as well. That was transformative and has affected me throughout my whole life. That does sound powerful uh, as an experience, particularly to have early in your career like that. I can see how that would uh, shape things going forward. How about you, Jay? Well, I wish I could say, Jeff, that I was as well-read as Ken, but I will not lie. Um, <laughs> I but, um, you know, I've had so many. Um, early in my career, I was a traditional educator, and so it's hard to um, it's hard to experience something as powerful as, as watching a, a, a first grader learn how to read and, and, you know, those kinds of things. But I would say in present day sense, um, a powerful experience that actually occurs regularly for me um, is when I have the opportunity to work with partners who are perhaps new um, to e-learning, and they seek to transform 
uh, their education through the use of our platform. Um, and I really get to support them um, from inception as we talk through goals and vision. And, and, you know, obviously then that leads into learning design and outcomes and then all the way through implementation um, into the next thought platform. Um, and so for me, seeing their organization shared vision for effective learning come to life um, is very impactful. And, and I'm very appreciative of that opportunity. Well, I can certainly relate to that. I have a similar experience uh, many times uh, with consulting clients and uh, digging into things with them and experiencing what they're experiencing along with them and helping to, to try to provide some guidance. So well, thanks so much to, to both of you, Ken and Jay, for, for taking the, the time today to, to be on Leading Learning. As we're exiting here, um, I want to make sure that if listeners want to know more about Next Thought or, uh, or connect with either of you, where, where should they go to do that? Our website's a terrific place to start, nextthought.com, N-E-X-T-T-H-O-U-G-H-T.com. And then our email is uh, simply our our name at nextthought.com. So uh, Ken at nextthought.com and Jay, J-A-E, at nextthought.com. Well, great. Well, thanks so much to, to both of you for being on the Leading Learning Podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. That wraps up our interview with Ken Parker and Jay Strickland. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 145. While you're there at the show notes, you'll also see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, we'd be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We'd be even more grateful if you would take just a minute to give us a review and rating on iTunes. Go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. That's going to put you in the right place. Jeff and I appreciate your ratings and reviews, and those reviews and ratings also help others interested in leading learning to find this podcast. And we'd be doubly, even triply grateful if you would visit associationsnext.com. Salise and I put a lot of effort into the Leading Learning Podcast, and one of the main reasons we're able to do that is because of the support of sponsors. So please visit associationsnext.com, where you'll have the chance to learn and to experience the Next Thought LMS in action. And final plea, please tell others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. That's going to give you some pre-populated language to share. Or if tweeting isn't your thing, pick another social network of your preference or whatever communication method you prefer and spread the good word. Thanks again. We'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Podcast.